welcome to our series of podcasts looking at sustainability within the HVAC sector. We'll be looking at different markets, different ways of providing solutions on sustainability and picking up some hot topics to discuss along the way. Uh, your host today is myself, Tom Hall, and I'll be joined with my colleague, James Smurthwaite. The reason we've started this podcast series is, as I've just mentioned, we are all interested in sustainability and different ways within our industry we can help promote sustainability to clients, different sectors and different markets. As a quick introduction to myself, I'm a business development manager for Mitsubishi Electric and I work within the corporate solutions team. I've been in the HVAC sector in the industry for 17 years now, uh, 10 of which have been with Mitsubishi Electric. I started in 2011, where I joined as an account manager and worked my way into the consultant account managing team, where I spent a good few years. From there, I moved on to the corporate technical manager's role and then onto what I am now as a business development manager within the, within the corporate team. Uh, topics for me, which we're going to hopefully cover within this series, which I'm keen to understand, is the use of heat pumps in the commercial sector to get rid of uh, fossil fuels from site to generate hot water. And, and, a key, and a key point is embodied carbon within products that we, are, that we sell and we use on a day-to-day -day basis. I'd like to introduce my co-host today, uh, James Smurthwaite. Cheers, Tom. Um, so as Tom mentioned, my name's James Smurthwaite. Um, I work in the same team that Tom does within Mitsubishi Electric. So we're in a corporate solutions team looking after end users. Um, my role within the team is exactly the same as well. So I'm also a business development manager, which has been quite an interesting role the last 12 to 18 months. Um, I've been in the industry for 14 years, so not quite as long as Tom. Um, but it's been sort of HVAC in various different guises all the way through. So I've, I've done quite a lot of process cooling when I first left university, um, looking at power stations and great big hyperbolic um, cooling towers, going all the way through into working for a company that did a lot of data center cooling. And now I've kind of landed at Mitsubishi Electric where we're doing a little bit of everything really. Um, I've been here for three years, so I joined Mitsi in September 2017. And it's been quite an interesting three years already, in all honesty. Um, in terms of where my business specialities lie, um, mine's more to do with my, my background, really, I suppose. So it sits really with the, the sort of process cooling side of things, um, things to do with data centers, so very much hydraulic-based systems. Um, and the things that really interest me in terms of sustainability in the industry at the moment and things that, that I'm quite interested to find out how we're going to tackle is the removal of gas off, off estates and how people are starting to drive down their carbon usage um, within the data center market um, and also in kind of general HVAC building services um, sectors. So offices that are trying to get rid of old gas boilers that are in their buildings and, and switching out for electric um, is something that's a real challenge and something we're coming across quite a bit at the moment. So that, that definitely interests me a lot. Um, and some of the real topics that I'm looking forward to covering over the course of the podcast series um, are things like, you know, reusing heat, um, waste heat from products and using them for really useful things, you know, district heating systems and um, doing some other really cool stuff like preheating on water. So there's quite a lot. There's quite a lot that, that's going to interest me going forwards. But, um, 
yeah, it's 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 going to be good. It's going to be good. So I suppose, really, Tom, you know, first question for you is how you found the last 12 months. I've already mentioned it's been quite challenging as a team, but you might want to just elaborate on that, really. It's been an absolute challenge. A few weeks, it will have been exactly 12 months since the first lockdown began. And at the start, I, everything stopped. Everything stopped. Construction stopped. Flow of sales stopped. Equipment stopped. Everything stopped. It was bizarre. The strangest feeling in the world. And then slowly, slowly through the summer, it started to pick up. Um, and then it tailed off again. So all left in limbo, kind of waiting to see how the market is going to react, what the government is going to do, how the virus is going to come under control. Um, round to Christmas, which was bizarre. Um, the day before we could see people and then lockdown kicked in again. Um, so it was a really quiet Christmas. It was actually really nice. Yeah, it makes a change. Kind of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now we're looking at the end of the tunnel. The light is there. So hopefully, hopefully things can start to return back to normal. It's been um, proper yeah. talks, hasn't it? It's, it's, you know, one minute we kind of get into the flow of doing something and the next minute it's, it's back to square one. But, you know, as I yeah. think what you're, you know, where you're alluding to it as a team, the core of our kind of business within our team is very much in sort of retail sectors and the hotel sectors. And obviously that came to a complete standstill in some aspects. Part of it kept going, obviously the supermarkets and food side of it's been really strong, but our general kind of high street retail has just completely stopped for the period of sort of six to nine months. So it's just been really weird. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, obviously part of that has been the, the working from home thing. That's another thing that stopped is no more travel, no more getting around to different offices, visiting customers, having team meetings face to face. All the really fun part of our job, to be fair. But how have you found that part of it, working from home? Um, difficult um, is the honest answer. Because our job is so customer facing, to, to have to stay at home five days a week, week in, week out, as it's been quite a strain, I think, and um, it's taken a lot to adjust to this new way of working. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back out there, to be honest with you. How have you done it? Yeah, it's same, really. Same. I think that kind of stop stopping face-to-face meetings is has been the most challenging thing. I think <clears throat> as a team, we've we've managed to adapt to it really well. I think we probably talk to each other more now than we, we ever did previously because we're not kind of busy doing our day-to-day stuff and, and getting involved in our own kind of challenges, I suppose, and being quite isolated in the role that we do. Anyway, we kind of work quite remotely. But, you know, it's I think we finally found our groove a little bit, really. And we, you know, we talked, like you said, we talk daily as a team and um, we kind of understand a bit more how to be more productive remotely and and how to kind of get the best out of our day. But it's been a it's been a heavy reliance, obviously, on technology and social media and everything else to, to kind of go about our job, which is a bit a bit of a big shift, really. It's it's um, no and more. It's proved as well, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No more. No more conversations over a cup of coffee or you know, a pint at a networking event or something like that is completely gone. So it's it's completely different. It's, it's strange. How's it, how's it been for you working at home then? So obviously you're not driving anywhere. From a sustainability point of view, I guess that's had a quite a, a big impact. Yeah, huge actually. Really, really big. So I, I drive a hybrid anyway. I got a plug-in hybrid. I made that decision a few years ago. So for the last, I think probably about three or four months, I haven't actually put any petrol in it at all. So it's all been plugged in at home and just been running around 
off electric, which is really good. Um, and we, we do our mileage every month. And I did a bit of a, a kind of exercise a few months back, just out of interest, proper geeky, really, to be fair. But just to see how much carbon I saved over the last 12 months compared to this time last year. So 2019 to 20 and, and now obviously 2020, 2021, the difference between the two. And I've done about 34,000 less miles, uh, sorry, kilometers less, um, which is quite a hefty amount. And in terms of CO2, that's about one and a half tons of CO2 that I've saved just by working from home, which is, I suppose, a bit of a silver, yeah, it's a silver lining, I suppose, really, to what we're doing. As much as it's been challenging and, and infuriating and everything else, you know, that's just me. And there's something like 870,000 other company car drivers out there. So when you sort of top that up, that's around about three and a half million tons of CO2 that's been saved by company car drivers in the UK, which is just insane. It's a massive amount. So, so you saving on your carbon from a from a driving perspective, have you added that on from working from home with electricity and heating and uh, extra yeah. usage being in? I reckon I'm probably more strict than I would be if I was in an office with turning off lights and walking around after the kids sort of flicking off light switches they left on (laughs) (laughs) not eating rooms that don't need to be heated and and things like that really but I I think something I need to do and I I think you mentioned that you've done it is I need to shift to a an energy provider that's a bit more green to be fair you know I'm stuck on a contract at the moment but I quite like to to kind of go full circle on it and you know power an electric car off renewable energy or do something like that quite interesting yeah I've recently moved so where I live, the, the bit of, like a mini census went out in terms of what is your carbon footprint. And I filled it all out and looking that gas and electric was such a high contribution to my family's carbon footprint. I found a, a supplier that was 100% renewable electricity. And then they offset your carbon by planting trees throughout the world. Brilliant. So just by doing that, this coming year, I will save just around three tonnes of CO2. Just by shifting, literally from one day to clicking a button from one day to the next, you just say yep. three times a city. Yeah, All the power they supply is 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 one hundred percent renewable, which is just brilliant. Perfect. And, uh, I work from a from a shed in the garden. I've got a cabin, which I'm quite lucky to have, really. But that's um, I've got an electric heater down here, a two bar electric heater, direct electric. So I've, I've bitten the bullet, and I'm going to get air conditioning put in because if I've got renewable power, although my two bar electric fire is technically renewable, it's yeah. still not very efficient. So for, for when I was kicking out two kilowatts of heat, it's using two kilowatts of power. So I've opted for a, for a wall mounted fan core system that's 40% more efficient. So not only will I use less power, I'll be using less renewable power, which is just a saves the, the money in my pocket, but also going towards um, no, same climate change. So yeah, just Little like having mini wind turbine in your garden. Then basically, is just powering your your air conditioning. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get in, but obviously, that air conditioning, like you mentioned, isn't just for cooling. Because obviously, everyone associates air conditioning with cooling, don't they? It's it's yes. you know, makes it yeah. cold. It's you know when you turn the AC on in your car, it makes it colder generally. But obviously, no, I bought it for heating. Okay, I, I bought it to provide heating because the cabin gets cold. It's like minus one on when it's really cold. And it takes ages to heat up, at least with the air conditioning system, it's, it's Wi-Fi. So I can connect onto my phone, turn it on before I get in there, and it's more efficient. I will have the benefit in the summer of cooling, which is the way I've got to look at it. So my heating bills are going to reduce. And then um, my 
my cabin will be a little bit cooler and more tolerable in the summer to keep me efficient and working. So it's a win-win. So really, it's not an air conditioning unit, is it? It's more of a reversible heat pump. So you're flicking it one way or another. It's probably thinking it better that way than an air conditioning unit. So you're going to go beyond the office? Are you going to do something sort of in your house? Yeah, or? I am. I'm going to do all the bedrooms and the living room off a single outdoor condensing unit, so a multi-split system. Yeah. Because, again, trying to drive down my gas usage, um, this way we can preheat upstairs when we need it in the winter or pre-cool it for the children in the summer. And then my wife's working at home as well, uh, two days a week, and she sits in the kitchen and we can move her into the living room with the air conditioning unit. So we have to heat one room during the day for her to work in rather than the entire house. So there's got added benefits throughout the year. So reducing our reliance on fossil fuels, hopefully one day we'll get it down to just using gas for cooking. You know, we could also change that to electric. Um, but little steps at a time. Little yeah, steps. so so that's a massive bugbear of mine. Is I've, I've got a you know gas boiler system at the moment. Unfortunately, it's not. It's quite a recent purchase. So you know financially, we're not quite in a position to to swap it out for a heat pump yet. But it's it's definitely coming. But like you mentioned, with obviously the air conditioning units, it's not through a radiator. It's a wall man unit. So you know, problem we have in our house is that we heat rooms that we're not in effectively. And yeah. You know, during the course of the day, we're heating downstairs, we go upstairs, upstairs is boiling hot, and then it's it's kind of a bit of a constant battle. So with that, really, you, what you're going to do, you turn the radiators off and you'll just heat one bedroom or one room that you're actually occupying and then just flick it off again? Well, that's it. We've, I can set it up so it has like a, a minimum threshold. So if the temperature in the room drops below a certain level, so we're lucky to live in a four-bedroom house, the spare room, if it gets too cold, the heat, the heat pump, the air conditioning can just come on and warm it up so it stays at a stable temperature. Nice. rather than having the rads switched off and the room getting too cold and pulling heat from other areas of the building. Um, in areas like the landing and the hallway and the bathrooms, they'll stay, but everywhere else we can just dial back. So we're not using as much as much uh, natural resource um, to heat the house. Good. That's, that's great. Efficiency. And then Efficiency. Using, yeah, and using the controls built in to make it work, if, you know, to everyone's needs. It's not just on off anymore. It's how do we live as a family? How can we make it work for us? And the air conditioning provides that solution rather than changing all my rads out and putting um, different TRVs on there and everything else. Um, this seems to me a, a more efficient way of doing things. Yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose as the grid's getting greener and, you know, the, there's more renewable power going on to it and everything else, really, we should be trying to use it as much as possible. And that's, you know, that's a really good way of doing it. I, you know, saw a couple of stats last year coming into it that, that last year was kind of the first time that we overtook coal and gas by using, you know, wind, tidal, you know, all the kind of renewable power sources to actually to, to drive the grid. So it's shifting. 2020 seems to have been a year that it's flipped massively and, you know, we're going in the right direction now as a, as a country and, a, and you know, Europe as well, globally, it's, it's going the right way. So I think you're doing it's a good thing. It's really good to see. And you read all about the wind farms that are being built offshore, um, and in other countries throughout the world. I mean, Denmark are, are trying to get through um, an, an island that they're going to build offshore, which can have surrounded by wind power and then use tidal as well to provide most of the power for the country. And it's, it's things like this that are starting to creep into the everyday and become the norm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's really, I suppose, you know, coming into the next 
sort of series of podcasts we've got, there's going to be quite a lot of interesting conversations around that and other things that people are doing in the industry. Obviously, there's a there's a big green recovery coming from the UK at the moment from the government, and that's going to open up a lot of doors for quite interesting things in terms of reusing heat and putting in sustainable heating systems. Yeah, I mean, you've already seen it. A lot of a lot of end users, a lot of clients that own properties are looking at how they can change their net zero targets. What was a 2050 goal for a lot of people is starting to be 2030, and in some cases even sooner. But they're looking at new ways of trying to become sustainable with their buildings. Um, the inquiry rate for heat pumps is, is, is rising constantly. And that's one thing I want to see, which we'll cover off in another, another session, is, is commercial heat pumps. How can big buildings get away from the use of gas? So I, I think that challenge you're talking about is how, you know, of how buildings can get away from, from the use of gas to provide heating and hot water um, is something that's being very much driven from the residential heat pump market. So obviously we've, we've been doing a lot of work in the residential market for a long time, replacing small gas boilers and putting in heat pump systems instead. But now the shift is looking at much bigger bits of the kit. So rather than, you know, 10 kilowatts or 15 kilowatts in some instances of heat requirement to a house, we're now looking at, you know, three, 400 megawatt of heating requirements. So there's been a real shift in the type of product that we're putting forward to that and some, some quite big commercial heat pumps that can do that type of thing. Um, mm. But it is, it is really interesting. And I, I think something else, you know, we've spoken about previously as well is how people can potentially use waste heat from another area of a building to, to, to provide heat into other bits or do some preheats on some quite interesting bits of process. So it's, um, it's all good. Yeah, I think COVID's also thrown up a challenge regarding fresh air, hasn't it, within buildings? So how, how can air quality be improved within these large commercial buildings as well, as well as a lot of schools? You know, as, as U values improve, windows aren't technically used to provide fresh air as much anymore um, because they're also letting pollution and noise. So what systems are there available to filter the air, reduce noise, ensure that harmful diseases and things aren't passed around. So there's lots of things to discuss coming up, which um, hopefully we'll get some guests and some speakers on with us. Um, but I think unless you've got some key points, James, that you want to hear from in the future, I'd like to say thank you very much for joining me. Likewise. Thank you very much, Tom. It's good. Good chat. Good to open it all up. Okay, so with that in mind, if there is anyone out there that would like to come on our podcast and, and share their views with us regarding, you know, sustainable technologies out there in the marketplace, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and as a way of thanks to my co-host, James Smurthwaite, today for joining me. And we look forward to speaking to you all soon.